2: This is At The Turn.
0: It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into a very spooky edition of At The Turn. Happy Halloween to everybody out there. Nick, what are you
2: dressing up as this year? You know, it's not about what I'm dressing up as because I don't really know. But Gavin is going to be Max from Where the Wild Things Are. And uh, he loves the book. He loves Max. He knows all the words. Wow. And I got him this costume and he (laughs) runs and hides and cries every time he sees the costume. He does not want to put it on. So now I'm just like avoiding it and hoping that like in the month that will have passed before Halloween comes, he'll have forgotten that he hates it and he'll love it again. And uh, either way, he's going to have a night trick or treating, whether he is crying about his Max suit or whether he's happy. So uh, it should be fun. There will be interesting pictures i'm so
0: proud of him that seems like such an evolved choice for is he even two years old yet not yet no that's impressive okay real quick yeah give me give me your top three candies
2: reese's um for sure i like twix and and then a sneaky third is hundred grand oh that's a good one. So I agree
0: with Reese's. I'll throw Snickers in there. To me, Snickers isn't even like in a candy discussion. It's like its own. It's like Tiger and everybody else. It's like Tiger versus the field, Snickers versus the field to me. And then my God. sort of outlier is Nutrageous. Do you like a Nutrageous? It's a Reese's product.
2: Don't even, not even familiar with this, with this Nutrageous candy that you, you speak of. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to send you one in the mail.
0: They're outstanding. (laughs) Maybe you can find a nutrageous ice cream. I know you're a big ice cream household as we've covered. Yeah, it probably is a nutrageous ice cream. That's a good point. Folks. I want to remind you to rate and review the podcast. Let us know your favorite candy, what you're dressing up as for Halloween this year. Just make sure to give us five stars wherever you listen. And as soon as you're done doing that, head on over to Piper golf. That's it. Piper.golf use promo code turn 10 on the best golf balls. Money can buy sick of losing golf balls. They're going to plug in the fairways all winter, save money on your golf balls with Piper golf use turn 10 at checkout to save an additional 10% at Piper.golf. Nick and I are going to do something we don't typically do in the podcast. And that is talk about the world of professional golf. I thought it would be an interesting time to dip our toe in Nick since rory's back to number one in the world the live golf season is now over so we'll get to that a little bit later but before we do this news is i'll say slightly dated just because of how quick the news cycle works these days but i'm assuming you heard that jonah hill is signed on to star and produce in a biopic as john
2: daly are you excited for this hell yeah any any documentation of John Daly, I, I get excited for. Um, absolutely love it. I think I I like the casting of Jonah. I mean, it sounds like he, he probably cast himself, um, perhaps. But but I, I think he'll do a good job. And I know we'll talk about some more potential candidates for this role that are alive a little later. But the thing about Jonah Hill is he has... He can portray this large personality, which John Daly is. And he can also be more serious. Now, you probably don't think of John Daly as like a serious character. Why would you need an actor who can be serious? But I think that's the story of John Daly is what you don't see on TV. Like the struggles he's had at home, off the course. Like the serious part of his life is probably the most interesting part of his story. And I think Jonah Hill will be able to capture that. I'm curious to see
0: what kind of movie they make. Is this going to be a comedy? Is it going to be like an Oscar play where John Daly is going to be walking the red carpet? You know what? My mind immediately went there because if you remember five years ago, they made the Tanya Harding movie with Margot Robbie and it was an Oscar-y kind of film. And so you had Tanya Harding on the red carpet doing lots of interviews, getting back in the limelight. I think it would be interesting if John Daly... It's like at the Academy Awards sitting next to Jonah Hill in one of his goofy, loudmouth blazers. I think it'll be somewhere in between those two things in terms of the tone of the movie. Jonah Hill has been nominated for two Academy Awards. I don't think it's out of the question for this to go down there. But I think it's perfect casting. I think that he's the right age to do it because he's in his mid-late 30s. So he could play younger daily. He could play older daily. He certainly has the build. My one concern, my one concern is, is Jonah Hill athletic enough, nimble enough, loose enough to swing a golf club like John Daly? Because I don't think the average person can swing the golf club like John Daly. Imitating Happy Gilmore is one thing, but getting that club all the way back, speaking to someone who's looking right at 40, it's not easy to do. So I'm curious.
2: Yeah, I think that they don't need to sell Joe Simons. I think they need to sell Joe Smith, you know? Like the 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 avid golf nut might might pick apart the swing a little bit, but we're not really the audience. You know. That was the or biggest else-
0: problem with Bagger Vance, Matt Damon hacking it around. Yeah, that guy's going to be Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen. I'm going to give him a little bit of grace if he even gets close that's fine because I think he can handle the dramatic and comedic aspects of John Daly. The accent will be interesting. Jonah Hill is a great actor. Like he's obviously very funny. He can have the serious side. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And you're right. He's a producer. He's bankrolling the thing. So uh, obviously he's going to star in the movie. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. But since I saw this news on the golf course, this has been a very big topic conversation for me. I'm asking everyone about it, what they think. Hey, anybody alive or dead at any time who would you cast as john daly in a movie someone suggested danny mcbride which i think if you're gonna go full comedy i could totally see that turn on his kenny powers eastbound and down situation just play it to the hilt is is that who that is
2: i was gonna say if danny mcbride walked into this room right now i would i wouldn't know him from
0: from danny smith he's he's kenny powers i'm okay okay, sure yeah yeah, that, that one i get that would, that would make sense, right? Um, someone suggested Paul Walter Hauser. I don't know Again. if you're familiar with him. If Paul Walter Hauser walked
2: into in this room right now. I wouldn't know from Paul Walters.
0: He walked into the room, yelled, I'm Paul Walter Hauser, and slapped <laughs> you across the face. You'd have no idea who it is. But he's, he, he's a really good character actor. He starred in Richard Jewell a couple years ago, Clint Eastwood movie about the 1996. Uh, Olympic bombing in Atlanta. He was actually in Mm -hmm. Itania. He played Jeff Galuli's dipshit henchman who actually clubbed. Oh, no, he he didn't actually club. I digress. He was in that film. He's like a very popular character actor these days. Now, two gone way too soon. Now, if you're really trying to make this an Oscar play, the dearly departed Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think would make an incredible John Daly. Yes, I, I have no idea if he could swing a golf club, but... That man transforms himself better than anyone did. He he may be the best actor of the last thirty-five years. It's a no-brainer. This is the one that I got the most excited about when I thought of. All right, so we're living in a world where Chris Farley never dies. Okay, Chris Farley is still alive. I know it's tough to imagine. You know, it's yes, it is. He he died. He died twenty-five years ago. Nick, isn't that wild? That that
2: actually sounds right to me. Fair enough. I mean, like. Tommy boy was, was still fresh enough, right? Yeah. 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 That's that's not new. Yeah. That that sounds right. So Chris Farley lived. Mike Myers is
0: not Shrek. Chris Farley is Shrek. That's that's who was supposed to play Shrek. Chris Farley makes a lot of Adam Sandlery kind of movies. These are sort of funny. Not really. He's doing the same old thing. The year is now 2008. Chris Farley needs a little bit of career rehabilitation. (sighs) And he's cast as John Daly in a film. Now, obviously, he's got the comedic chops. I think Chris Farley can do the serious stuff. Now, we never had a chance to see it, unfortunately. But I think he had that in him. And the most important key, I don't know if I've ever seen a more athletic, comedic actor than Chris Farley. For his size, the man could do cartwheels, the famous Chippendale sketch with Patrick Swayze on SNL. I truly can envision in my head like a 40-year-old Chris Farley being able to recreate the John Daly swing very authentically. And to me, that is the best person, alive or dead, that could play Big John.
2: When I first saw this take, I was like, damn, that's so that's so incredibly spot on. But like now, I actually couldn't disagree more. Because I think the more that I think about it, what Jonah Hill brings that ability to be serious and to take those, those serious moments in, in like life altering events in, in like really tell those stories. I just don't see ever taking Chris Farley seriously. I just, I know you just painted this really nice picture of like how his life could have played out, which is, which, you know, you put a lot of thought into that and, and you you're probably right about a lot of that. You, you see that story unfold for a lot of actors. Adam Sandler included, but I just have a hard time taking the bus driver from Billy Madison seriously that as like John. Of one. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough said. Enough said. What I'll
0: what I'll say is this: then I won't belabor the point too much. I think comedy is a lot harder than drama. I think it's easier for a comedic actor to turn serious than it is for a serious actor to do comedy. I just think we've seen it over and over again. Someone, someone who's known as a serious actor has done that trying to be funny doesn't work as often as a comedic actor trying to be serious. Jonah Hill, I think is a really good example of that. It's true. It's true. Either way. I think we're both excited to see the movie and we'll have to reach out to the production studio to try to get red carpet passes to, uh, you know, look, we, we got the free fill books. Maybe this is the next step, getting to a red carpet premiere with Jonah Hill. And we can ask him a couple of dumb questions like country club adjacent makes makes sense. Nick Live Golf did it. They had an entire year of a golf season. C- congrats. Just 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 a big congratulations to everybody involved. And so, you know, a lot of people ask me what what's my take on Live versus the PGA Tour. We don't really talk about it a lot on here. Um I'm curious. I'll I'll let you start. What do you think Liv accomplished in their first year?
1: Well, I,
2: I think actually somebody asked me the other day, um, like, is, is Live Golf successful? And I think the answer to that is yes. I mean, it's it It's absolutely yes. Um, if you look at the end of the year world rankings from 2021, so the mo- they, they kind of one day a year, it's kind of arbitrary. They take a snapshot of the world golf rankings and just to say like, okay, this is where you were at the end of the year. Out of the top sixty, Joe, in, in that in that snapshot, how many do you suppose they've got? get a guess. Fifteen. It's twenty. It's 20. wow. They a got third. one third of wow. the top sixty golfers in the world to play in a in a startup tour. Of course, of course, the money is the, the reason why. It's not uh, not a big reason. It's the reason. Um, but that in and of itself is a success um everything live does is widely talked about and debated they they, it's not like they're flying under the radar they're like the xfl where like i i remember two or three years ago the xfl there was an xfl game on my tv just because of like i don't know why and i i have no idea if like that's still going if that was a one year i I, literally no idea like nobody's talking about it nobody's telling me about it i don't see it anywhere Live is the exact opposite. Everything they do, people have strong opinions. It's so stupid. It's so great. I can't believe it. I love it. I hate it. It's very polarizing. It's always in the news. It's it's Trump-esque in that form. Like it's love it or hate it. People always a mouthful there. Yeah, no, it's it's true. But I I think you have to, if you're live, feel like this last 12 months has been – a success the team stuff is very corny right now but like in 1902 people were probably saying like the new york yankees like you're gonna make a baseball team called the the yankees like but really you know like like, you gotta start somewhere i think they'll i think they'll round that out into form um so wait a minute i have to push back on that you really think that like
0: there's gonna be people wearing high flyers merch like there's some kid in arizona what he wants for christmas is a is a fucking fireballs polo that he's gonna wear on the golf
2: course come on man come on no i don't i don't think that i don't think that i don't think that i I would never advocate for these team names but the team concept that i think is very widely mocked because the names are so stupid and there's like no organization to it i think for year one like of course it's a laughing stock but like it won't really take much to get for live to dial that in once they prioritize it now that they've got a lot of their players they can they can take some emphasis off of that and prioritize other other things um that that said like i don't watch live i'm not a fan of live i don't enjoy live but i will say the pga tour's response to live it's like encouraging and disappointing at the same time because they're basically saying We'll never do anything to improve our product unless there's a threat, like an actual reason to. But now that now there is, and they are making changes that should make it better for players, better for fans, more. Ex- I I think it'll be a better product. Golf will be better overall. Um, a lot of people disagree with that opinion, but I think I think at the end of the day, it's good to have some competition because otherwise, you just get like a stale product.
0: Can we acknowledge that the uh, ostensible goal of live as they say it to grow the game is in fact not their actual goal are, are we on common ground there
2: a hundred percent i mean their, okay. their, their goal is to cover up the human rights atrocities of saudi arabia government i mean that's just that that's that's their goal that 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 is their goal and
0: i think they have succeeded compared to the incredibly low expectations that the golf world and society placed upon them The idea that we were talking about in March, oh, is this thing even going to happen at Pumpkin Ridge? Fast forward to nine months later, and here we are. There's already talks about the PGA Tour and Live coming to some sort of understanding in the future in 2023, and that'll play out during the offseason. But a couple of thoughts that I had. They did successfully disrupt the PGA tour. I didn't understand to the degree that they did. That's an amazing stat. One third of the top 60 at the end of 2021 are now playing for live. But, and I don't want this to come off as a judgment because I'm complicit in this as well. Live took advantage of a society that is very nihilistic, even though we can look at things and you make the point and it's so obvious the, the, the purpose of this is for the Saudi government to cover up human rights atrocities, sports washing, all of this. But at the end of the day, there's so many things happening in our society. We get distracted by so many things that if Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson are playing golf, it's two o'clock on a Friday afternoon. I see a tweet about it. I might flip it on. It's not right. It's not necessarily the most entertaining thing in the world. The television product is still kind of a mess. They're talking to Fox Sports, not about a deal, whereas Fox Sports buys their product. But they buy time on Fox Sports like they're a friggin' infomercial. Like yeah. Emra Agassi is trying to sell nonstick cookware. That's the level they have to get to to get on TV. But by that very low metric, they have succeeded. And they have succeeded in part because they're successfully sports washing. They're, they're already accomplishing their goal. The fact that these press conferences are being discussed in a way of covering the event, and sure, a lot of it is covering it from, hey, this is a sideshow perspective, but a lot of people are covering it and saying, like, hey, the number three golfer in the world, Cameron Smith, is champion golfer of the year, and he's playing in these events. And so by that pure metric of having someone so highly ranked in this event, it matters – from a golf cred- credibility perspective, the XFL isn't going to lure away, I don't know, Nick, Josh Allen. It's not like they're going to pay Josh Allen $400 million to play a season in the XFL, and now it matters all of a sudden. But Liv can do that. They've credibly taken people away, and they've taken advantage of a society that gets distracted very easily. And again, it's not a judgment. I'm a part of that as well. I've watched a few Live events it, out of morbid curiosity. I don't know if I was entertained, but I watched a little bit, Nick.
2: Yes, a couple things. I I would I disagree that they've been successful with their sports washing. I would I would make the point that it's more, it's backfired. Me personally, I had no idea that Saudi Arabia was even like had this much you know, human rights blood on their hands, so, so to speak. Um, and in like the women's rights there, I I've, I've learned a lot more about the way they treat women and the nine eleven connections. And you know, obviously, like some of that stuff is floating around in the back of my head, but like actually connecting dots and, and, and learning facts and figures and, and details about, you know, how they, how they treat women and, and things like that. Like I, I, I think it's probably shined more light on, on their wrongdoings than, than has cleaned their reputation. And that's just speaking from my perspective. So I don't know for sure.
0: So it created um, an awareness that you didn't have because yes. it's in the world you live in. Exactly. Exactly.
2: And it, because it's, it's such a, controversial everyone's like what's the controversy with live and the, the first answer is well the money comes from the PIF, which is saudi arabia's money and saudi arabia does all these terrible things oh what terrible things do they do and then you start to learn and you're like oh okay wow like I, maybe a lot of people probably didn't know that i didn't know the details that i do now um so I, I would say for at least from my perspective that sports washing is probably backwashed and now it makes me more aware the world cup coming up this winter another sports washing attempt, the world cup that was in Russia, you know, a few years ago, another, you know, you, you kind of look back in the Olympics in China and he's like, wow, like, this is, this is un- unbelievable. So uh, that that's my standpoint. Um, and then the one thing I've watched, I don't know, 30 minutes of live, like one day I had it on for 30 minutes. And the one thing that was most surprising to me was I'll go back to the teams, Joe. Like, I know these specific team names probably won't stick, and these specific players and teams, you know, we will all be reformed, but seeing a team logo on the leaderboard and, like, three guys from the four aces are in the top ten, and, and like, oh, if if this guy makes birdie, he's going to, you know, bump this team. Like, the team element actually had me paying more attention than a a regular PGA Tour event. Like, I see a leaderboard on the PGA Tour and the guy's in sixth place and – you know, he hits it to 15 feet and, you know, lags it up there and taps it in. It, it, it's just not as – I don't know. The, the team element was was new and has the potential for me, I would say.
0: I get it. I I don't necessarily agree with that, but sure. I, I, I do understand that perspective. I just don't think that in an individual game outside of, you know, your one-off PGA event where there's two p- people playing together or your Ryder Cup or your President's Cup – that I'm necessarily going to care. Maybe I will over time to your point about the Yankees not existing until the beginning of the 20th century. And when you build up that history, it ultimately leads to more excitement in terms of, you know, rivalries and, and, and storylines and these sorts of things. So maybe, yeah, the, maybe that'll be the case.
2: The, the thing that like, like I said, like, I, I don't support live. I, I think I'm, I think it's good that it's forcing the PGA tour to change, but like the, the, outspoken people against live sometimes they sound just as, as dumb like oh can you believe all this history with the fireballs and it's like well of course they, no they're not claiming to have history like they're they're literally a startup and they're, they're creating it out of thin air but that doesn't mean they shouldn't do it just because they don't have history you know what i mean i, I don't know just some of the arguments are, are kind of off base and you know, it's it's very strange but the one my, my final note on the team aspect is i hope that against the will of the pga tour and and for for however it happens we get more mixed events with pga tour and live guys because that's the real that's the real storyline that we need to see is like hey man there's 15 damn live guys this happened on the european tour a couple times there's these these live guys they got into the 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 event shouldn't be here bunch of the rest of the field is pissed off and then like watching them jockey on the leaderboard and, you know, Rory make a charge and kind of fight them all. It's just like, that's the real interesting stuff. That's, that's natural. That's not forced. That's not created out of nowhere. Um, I mean, the president's cup this year kind of shined a huge light on that because the president's Cup, such a dud USA dominated. I think the internationals made it close at the end, but the international team was depleted by live. And it's like, man, this event is really in some serious jeopardy if, if if it continues the way it is. But then within a week of that, there was a European tour event with all these live guys. And it was like, ah, shit, we can't let the live guys win. And there was some real loyalty going on there.
0: Well, on the President's Cup thing, I would say Tom Kim saved the event. Like, if there was not a star from the international team who was young and pouring in huge putts and actually giving the international side, like, some sort of modicum of hope it would have been a complete disaster. So thank God for the President's Cup and the PGA Tour that Tom Kim exists and is as badass as he is. Mm -hmm. On the good versus evil in terms of PGA versus live, I think that the governing bodies would be crazy to have meetings over this winter and come to the conclusion that golf fans don't want to see live versus PGA. You have manufactured this incredible tension over the course of a year. The Netflix documentary that is going to come out I think later this year, it's the F1 style Netflix documentary that the F1 doc that was so popular, they created it for the PGA tour in the best possible year you could do it. And that's going to be released that will only feed into it because not only golf fans are going to be fired up for it, but I think more casual sports fans are now going to be aware of this fracture setting up for a 2023 season where you could have all this drama start at Augusta in April. I'm getting excited. Just thinking about it. They would be nuts not to take advantage of that. And I think they're going to come to the conclusion that they should, but that remains to be seen
2: just imagine if tomorrow we wake up greg norman is fired and and jay monahan is fired and cam smith and rory mcelroy are the new player commissioners of their leagues how much better golf would be get greg out of there monahan
0: and and norman are are just the worst two people to be heading these organizations aren't they
2: it's the problem it's like the problem with golf epitomized in in people It's, it's old rich white men with massive bankrolls and massive egos who refuse to bend and be flexible and compromise and be creative because they've never had to in their life if you got rid of all the rich white guys in golf i don't know how many people you would have left nick (laughs) that's about it
0: okay i want to transition we talked live now i want to talk pga tour not really pga tour i want to talk about one guy the new number one player in the world Rory McIlroy. I'm going to say it. I, I, I say this like once every four episodes, at least every time we talk about Rory, when Rory plays his best, he is better than everyone else's best. He took care of business. He's back to number one. He did not win a major this year, but for him to be the de facto spokesperson for the PGA tour, throughout all of this and then to ascend to number one and essentially what is the end of the season. I know there's still more events, the fall season, whatever, but Rory is number one in the world. And it seems like he's probably going to finish the year that way. I think it
2: just feels right. Doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like that was what was supposed to happen with Rory? It definitely feels like the live stuff and the role that he's taken as an advocate for the PGA tour has inspired him on the course i i don't know if he finds this gear without it he, he hasn't been in this position in quite some time and now all of a sudden he's shouldering this burden of, of essentially being a spokesperson for the pga tour um throughout the entire year you've seen him play his best when he's in those mixed field events when he's competing as the guys when he's trying to kind of save the name and, and win one for the good guys, so to speak. Um, I think it has brought out his best. I think at times it's probably exhausting on him, but at the same time, he's gotten back to number one in the world. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think it took something like that for him to find that next gear. I
0: think it accelerated a process that was already beginning. And I haven't quite landed the plane on this take in my head, I've been circling the runway a few times. So I'm hoping you can help me land the plane here, Nick. So, Rory, in addition to being the number one player in the world, I think is the best thinker in the game of golf, too. The most eloquent. I'm not splitting the atom with that take. They asked him about the world ranking situation in regards to live. Very eloquent point. He said, I think these guys knew what they were getting into at the time about these events, not qualifying for world ranking points because of the format of the tournaments. But if you have official world golf rankings that have Dustin Johnson as number 100, there's probably something wrong with your ranking system. Again, a spot on point. After he won the CJ Cup to ascend to number 1 in the world, they asked him about golf's season and he gave this very eloquent answer about him viewing the golf season as January to August. He said golf shouldn't compete against football. It's a very obvious take. Golf should not compete against football in the fall. He thinks People should miss golf. Let people miss golf for three to four months. None of this fake five-day offseason with the wraparound season. Have it start in January. Have it end in August with the FedEx Cup playoffs. Do some silly events. Bring back the Skins game. Let Tiger have his event in the Bahamas. Do some shit down in Australia. Whatever. Just have an offseason. He's completely on the point there. And because he's back to number one in the world, because he is now – the spokesperson and the heartbeat of the PGA tour in terms of really any big topic in the game of professional golf. I don't quite know if he's there, but he might be. I'm going to say this very quietly because I don't want too many people to hear me. Don't freak out. Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. Has Rory McElroy surpassed Tiger Woods in terms of importance in the game of golf?
2: Well, Joe, get out of here. This is at the turn with your host Nick Heidelberger, and uh, we had a great one with Joe. No, um, no, no. Is he getting I mean, there? Am it, I even? Am I? Am I even I, close? I think, no. I. What I'll give you is like in this very specific moment, yes. But beyond that, no. I mean, no. If Tiger wanted. To speak up and speak out, he could. But Rory he doesn't, and that's the point. Rory wants to. Rory, Rory wants can't to be. avoid it because he's got pre-tournament pressers and and he's winning and he's he's in front he of the media say, just Every. Day. I don't want to talk about live. I want to talk about the CJ Cup. Rory is very willing to talk okay. about these things. He is, but again, the point you just made is he's smart. Like if Rory all of a sudden one day, after months of talking about Liv says, I don't want to talk about Liv, what's the what are the rumors gonna be? Like, uh oh, is is Rory hush hush now because he's jumping you know who else is jumping and you know that's that's the first thing everybody would say so and he he knows I think he knows that even though he isn't seeking out this role of of spokesperson the media is going to him for it because he's the one who's in front of them and he's got you know perspective from a lot of the European guys who left and now he's in the states and he's you know he's kind of He's he's on the pack. He might even be like have a, a a leadership position in the pack. So he's kind of the the perfect intersection of of you know top level player got the European connections, you know a, a loyalist to the PGA Tour, all of those things, and he's constantly in front of the media. So of Tiger loves him.
0: Together. Tiger loves Rory. Yes, they he's have got a seal great of a yes.
2: Yeah. So uh, uh, Tiger, he stays out of it. of, of everything he can as, as much as he can and you know he he wants his privacy and he wants to you know hang out with his kids and and all that and then just pop up and you know when he wants us to to start thinking about tiger you know he'll he'll show up at a at a private jet runway with ricky fowler and a nissan you know and, and he'll get people talking or he'll post a three-second video of his golf swing and a tweet of a wedge swing yeah exactly and other than that he'll he'll just kind of keep quiet so um i i wouldn't think tiger when he's not playing would make the effort to put himself in the spotlight just to, you know, bash Norman and, and, and shut down Liv.
0: You know what I just thought of? I forgot we're part of the Believe Podcast Network now. Is some producer going to grab that when I said, hey, <laughs> is Rory more important than Tiger? I'm going to wake up to a tweet storm just mm-hmm. just like ratioing me into oblivion it's possible yeah, it you could be hosting the show by yourself after this nick this this yeah. could be the end of me now to be fair i don't think i actually said rory is more important than tiger woods i think i just asked the question is that is is that right
2: yeah i think the, the question you asked was fair is is his voice more important than tigers but it's just it's not you know yeah uh, of it's, course tigers tiger remains about. silent you know and of course while he's silent then there's not much to, to glean from that so um you know rory's the one who's talking so of course we're gonna we're gonna you know, he's gonna be more in the spotlight. Something else
0: I thought about Rory, just just one or two more things before we move on. Um, literally every great golfer has underachieved in terms of major success. There is not one golfer who has won not let me let me rephrase that. there is not one great golfer who has won as many majors as the media thinks they should have won.
2: I Actually, God, I have that, one exception for you. please. Jordan Spieth has way outkicked his coverage on on major championships.
0: Uh, you think so? You are I, think like, I think like
2: statistically speaking, he's like the worst golfer ever with three majors.
0: To be fair, that's Nothing a pretty short speak. list. That's a yeah. pretty
2: short list of players that have
0: won three majors. That'll be the next episode. Is Jordan Spieth <laughs> the worst player to ever win three majors? Um, I think he'll add to that total. But me even saying that is exactly what we do. And I was thinking about Jack Nicholas who has won the most major championships, but also has the most second place finishes. If Jack Nicholas's career was in the 21st century, we would just be talking about what a bum he is. Jack should have 30 majors. He only has 18 and, we did it for Tiger. The idea that Tiger only has 15 after he had 14 in 2008 is pretty crazy. Ernie L's best swing ever only has four. Phil only has six. We do this on and on and on, and we do it for Rory as well. He's in this big major slump. Nick, do you see the stat that I put in there? I thought that was a fun little stat that I put in there about Rory.
2: Oh, not so much? Uh, no, I know. I. why don't you give the stat, and I'll, I'll, okay. I'll tell you what I think. Right now,
0: Rory McIlroy, 33 years old. He's been around for a long time. 33 when Phil Mickelson won his first major, the 2004 masters, he was 34 years
2: old. Yeah. I think that's really, really uh, out of context. I would say Phil Mickelson, when he was 34, I don't know what, when did he win his first major? Like 2000, 2001, 99, somewhere around there, 2004, 2004, same thing. Um, (laughs) The PJ tour was not nearly as deep or nearly as young as it is today. They uh, didn't pre-live. I mean, obviously, if more players go to live and, and then they can't compete in majors, and less of those young up-and-coming stars are, are competing in the majors, then then it's a little bit different. That's probably more more resembles what Phil was going against, where it was like established guys in their late 20s and 30s, and there was a handful of them, and it wasn't this super deep fields every you know as deep as they are now i would just say it's harder to win as a top 10 player in the world now than it was in 2004
0: wait so are you making the point that rory mcelroy has less chances to win than phil did from the same age range i'm saying it's, it's harder yes Yeah. Okay. So, so what you're saying is because Rory is at 33, the amount of times he'll have an opportunity to win a major is less in that 15 year span from his mid thirties to his late forties than what Phil had because the fields are so much deeper now. So he'll just have less
2: opportunities to get it done. Yeah. It's just harder to get it done. I mean, yeah, I I think Cam Smith, I think is a good, good example at the masters. He was the first player to ever shoot four rounds in the sixties. He didn't win because you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, he, he probably would have won going away. I think, um, God, I want to say Ricky Fowler had like yeah. one of the lowest Masters scores, like one of the top three. I want to say it was like one of the top three lowest Masters scores ever. He does. And, and didn't win because, yeah, he finished Oh, second. Lo and behold, somebody else, you know, it was just a deeper field. I just think you get more of that. Like back in the day, the 90s and early 2000s, you had your Tiger, Phil. VJ handful of other guys and th- it was not as deep once you got past those guys that's
0: interesting I, I i guess the pushback that i would have is you had more random winners back then maybe maybe that leads credence to what you're saying though is that the random guy popped up every now and then and besides that it was tiger it was phil it was vj it was ernie so it was either one of those guys or a long shot it wasn't this like really strong group of like the top four dozen guys that were all sort of jockeying for position.
2: We got that random guy who who's peaking and has a good week, but you're not getting 70 guys who are world beaters in peak form all in the same week. Interesting point.
0: I guess I was put a button on it by saying that Rory has time. The man's got time. He almost won the British open. Four more majors coming up. If he stays healthy, knock on wood, he's got like 50, 60 more cracks at it. So he'll get it done. Anyway, congrats to Roars for being number one in the world. Number one golf voice in the game right now. Nick, with that. Oh, yeah. So, okay, wait a minute. I have to to ask. So are you saying that Tiger, Tiger is the guy? When he's around. But when he's not, is Rory sort of the vice president of golf right now? Tiger's still the president?
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Okay.
0: I like that. It is time for the Mad Golfer of the Week, brought to you by T-Box Coffee. T-Box is a roast-to-order coffee brand in the heart of Southern California, packaged for the golfer who can shoot 68-112 at every score in between. Let T-Box Coffee fuel your morning rounds. Use promo code TURN15 at checkout. Nick, for this, we go out to the beautiful columbia river gorge we crossed the bridge of the gods and we're going to carson washington elk ridge golf course where i recently had the pleasure of playing it's a link style course out in the gorge really really hung a tough 84 on the board the wind was blowing but that's besides the point we're not talking about me we're talking about karen hopson she is our mm. mad golfer of the week and she says quote i love this golf course And that's why I drive there on several occasions during the year. But yesterday was the worst experience I've ever had at a golf course. First of all, they double booked or some were triple booked. And it was such a mess. I felt sorry for the starter. He was outmatched for the confusion. Then after nine holes, we went in to get something to drink and eat. And there were dirty dishes everywhere and no one in the kitchen or restaurant. Now I'll pause there because I recently played, they are renovating the kitchen and the restaurant and they actually have a very cool thing set up. They have a hot dog bar there. So they're still having food available. And so the dirty dishes Karen was seen was people unloading them because there's not a kitchen. So there's some poor guy manning a hot dog bar. There's condiments (laughs) everywhere. Like this is not a blight on Elk Ridge. They're, They're actually doing a pretty cool thing out there while they're renovating stuff. Okay. Back to Karen. Quote, we were told the restaurant stayed open until 4 p.m. and we were there at 3.15. If you were thinking about signing up online, don't, because you won't see your name on the T-sheet. Apparently, the online T-sheet doesn't catch up with the employees at Elk Ridge. Ergo, the double and triple booking. It was a disaster, and because of this fiasco, the golf was slow. We almost left, but we drove from Vancouver an hour away. Signed disappointed karen now at this point we can make plenty of jokes about her name and how mad she is and probably the color of her skin as a white lady but we're not going to do that we're just going to say karen hopson is our mad golfer of the week
2: i can't get enough that she signed it disappointed karen
0: i know talk about a lack of self-awareness disappointed karen
2: (laughs) seriously like Uh, I, i i'm just gonna leave it at that
0: anyway folks Go to Elk Ridge. It's it's a spectacular joint. All right. It is now time for Nick Rules. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout at matchstickgolf.com. Theme song does not. I'm pitching the play button here. It
2: doesn't seem to be firing off, Nick. <sighs> Dang, we'll that. get it next week. Um, Joe, so you know how I always <laughs> like to do a Nick Rules that really ties into the theme of what we're talking about and digs into, t- ties the whole podcast together. Well, this week. I did not do that. Oh, I no. stumbled upon this, this tidbit in the rules of golf, and I'm just going to read it and leave it, and you can react if you want. I, don't I love think it. There's too much to break down. Rule 4.2 B: A ball breaks into pieces while playing a hole. A <laughs> player's ball breaks into pieces after a stroke. There is no penalty. And the Wait a stroke minute. Does not count. The player Is must this play real- another ball from where that stroke was made. Does the rule book? So if 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 I
0: opened the rules of golf and flipped <laughs> to rule four point two b, it says ball
2: breaks while playing hole. Ball breaks into pieces <laughs> while playing hole. <laughs> into
0: pieces.
2: Into, so like if, it's- if somebody swaps out your Pro V one with a gender review ball. <laughs>
0: they have a rule for that
2: uh yeah, they sure do
0: so wait okay wait a minute i'm sorry finish the rule what what, what happens it, when someone's balls breaks tell me again
2: w- what do you want to know so what so okay oh, what happens this- no penalty yeah. play it play another ball from the same spot you jackass oh that's yeah just didn't happen mulligan okay so- basically you so- should say ball breaks into pieces while playing whole mulligan is what i should say <laughs> I'm glad that the rules of golf
0: have accounted for exploding golf balls and gender reveal balls. By the way, have you, have you seen those videos of people who think they're hitting a gender reveal golf ball and people swap (laughs) in a real golf ball?
2: No, I've never seen that. That's classic. It's
0: so good because everyone looks so confused. The wife is super pissed. The parents are in the background. (laughs) What color is it?
2: (laughs) I, I'm just picturing like, you know how you see those, those recordings of people of like, college seniors or high school seniors when they're opening their college acceptance email like the person for the usga who got an email from their boss it was like you need to put in a rule for exploding golf balls for gender reveals it needs to be a rule in the official rules of golf and the person opening this you'll be like
1: what the fuck
0: <laughs> so you think that they view that as like uh a demerit or like Something that sh- they should be ashamed of rather than something like, like an exciting task that they've gotten for the day. Like, I'm going to craft a rule about an exploding yes. golf
2: like ball. The, the, the keepers of the rules of the game have to stoop to the level of acknowledging exploding golf balls in their in their precious sacred book of the rules of golf. Uh, hey, before we wrap up shop, if you have a last
0: minute. <laughs> Ashley just texted me if I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> Because if you're shouting, that means that means you're doing a great podcast right now. Before we wrap up, do you have a last minute Halloween costume idea for the folks out there?
2: Um, I mean, John Daly. We talked about him earlier. is 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 a solid one. That's not a hard one. Yeah, no, it's it's not a hard one. Um, I actually published an article a month and a half ago about the, the best Halloween costumes. I mean, there's like. They're not last minute, that's the problem. There's like really cool zombie golfers where you're like all gory and you're wearing like the 1920s golf, but that's that's not oh. last minute, that's that's like elaborate and planned <laughs> out. So, last minute, like I don't know, you have a red polo and black pants, I, you know, I don't know if you're just trying to throw something together. It's
0: if I had all orange, um, I'm, by the time this airs, I'll right. like play, but today. you don't, yeah, I, exactly. If I, I really wish I knew someone who had all orange, <laughs> that would go as Ricky Fowler. Yeah. Now that just seems funny to me because he doesn't do it anymore. Um, but I'm, I'm supposed to dress up for this golf tournament. I'm not going to. It's supposed to rain.
2: I- go to go to Sherwin Williams. Get a yeah. white jumpsuit, like a painter's suit. Paint and, it blue. And, be Mario. No. Put put Simons on the back in green letters. You know, number forty-seven on the front. Be a master's oh. caddy. That's not a bad one.
0: That's actually a really good one. And that's kind of last minute. You know what? Maybe I'll yeah. do that. Okay. Yeah. So just wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. So I would be my own caddy? Because I'm because i wearing you, the caddy. Well,
2: oh, you could put somebody else. I mean, like, is anybody going to really question you? On, yeah, you could be your own caddy. You could be somebody else's caddy. Whatever you want. It's up to you.
0: Okay. Let the imagination run wild.
2: Yeah. You could be All John right. Daly's caddy.
0: Could, that's good. I'll put Daly on the back.
2: Or you, or you could be Norman's caddy. Fam- Famous loser of the Masters. I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. Folks, we appreciate you tuning into this episode coming later this fall. We don't know when we're going to do a Ricky Fowler episode. The people have demanded it. Nick, you should see the inbox. All they want to do is talk about Ricky Fowler. We have put it off for far too long. We're going to give the people what they want. The style guy is going to come back. I keep saying this. I have to invite him at some point. I have to invite Greg back. He's been posting a lot of stuff about winter clothing. I'm very interested in that. Looking at some new boots myself, some new winter boots. Nick, I got a vest I'm gonna wear to play golf. So oh,
2: I love I've it. Never, I've never owned a vest before, but I was like, I'm gonna play golf in October. I'm gonna need a vest. I'm hitting a vest too. I got like three 65 degree days. I got a I got a round coming up. It's like 52. I'm like, I'm busting the vest out.
0: Vest oh, weather. I can't yes. wait. I can't wait. Everybody, enjoy your Halloween, and we'll see you in November.
2: I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.